absolutely. It depends on the uh, COR of the flagstick, so the Coefficient Restitution flagstick. In U.S. Opens, I'll take it out, and uh, every other tour event, when it's uh, fiberglass, I'll leave it in and bounce that ball against the flagstick if I need to. Welcome back, podcast patrons, to another episode of Leave the Pin Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Dan, and super excited tonight. We got Corn Ferry Tour member Brent Grant on the pod talking with us about everything from how he got his start in golf to his prodigious length out on tour and kind of everything in between. Brent, what's the good word? Uh, the good word is, is uh, California weather is absolutely beautiful. Um, and uh, we're ready to go here. We got uh, two weeks off and can't wait to get uh, get back on it and uh, finish out the season and maybe uh, get our card here at the end. Dude, I got to tell you, every pro that I talk to obviously is in a warm weather state and it's like I just beat myself up doing this it's it's nuts man I'm sitting in northeast PA um and and dude granted like it's been awesome so far but we just had big snow flurries before you know and every time I I talk to one of you guys you girls it's like hey dude it's 75 80 degrees just got off the course (laughs) I'm assuming did you you go out and play today oh yeah definitely (laughs) That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so listen, so you're in California now, right? But mm-hmm. one of the things I noticed is that the city that you play out of all the time lists uh, Honolulu, Hawaii, correct? Correct, yeah. So, yeah. so what, what's so, up with that? Well, so um, my dad was stationed there in the Navy for about 12 years. Uh, and so basically, I mean – the short and sweet of it is that's home to me. This is that's that's where I got my start. That's where, um, you know, my my family outside of my family is from. You know, this this is that's just kind of where where it all began. So I figured uh, to keep it there always is is to pay homage and to pay respect to the opportunity that I was given um, there and and from all the from all the people over there. Obviously, in Hawaii is a great place to to be and. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of paying respect, I guess. That's pretty awesome. Honestly, I, I can appreciate that greatly. Um, you get back often to the, to the islands or no? Uh, the last time I went, uh, I think was in May or June of last year. Um, obviously we have the, the, the PGA tour has the Sony open there every year. Um, and so usually I would go back for the Monday qualifier for that. Um, but obviously this year we, we had the first week of the Bahamas. So, um, it doesn't seem like I'll go back very often, um, until obviously everything's all said and done. And uh, now you've, you've played in the Sony open before, correct? Correct. Yeah. I played twice. Yeah. So real quick, I mean, obviously first full year on the corn ferry tour, what are the biggest differences that you notice between PJ tour event and a KFT tour event? Um, honestly, man, I mean, the, you know, the, the, the size of the, um, kind of production, uh, is very similar. Um, you know, obviously the competition is very similar. Um, I guess really the biggest, the biggest changes is, are are like the little things, you know, like the, the food and the, you know, the, uh, you know, the parking situations and all that, and then all that kind of stuff. I mean, now obviously I've only played. Uh, the Sony Open, and I haven't played like Tory or any of the other big ones, but uh, but I'll probably be able to give you a better better answer when I do. 
All right. So, Brent, obviously being first year on the Corn Ferry Tour, haven't made the full circuit around everywhere. Played in five events so far, um, have four made cuts. The only one you missed was by a stroke at uh, at Lakewood National and Lecom Suncoast Classic. You're sitting in, in 30th place now, the top 25, mm-hmm. which is just you know, phenomenal for the first year out there. So, so far, what course have you enjoyed the most playing? Um, that's a great question. Obviously, you know, each, each course that we've played has, has pretty much been in a different country, uh, so far, aside from obviously the first two in the Bahamas. Um, I really, really enjoyed, uh, the big course that we played in, in Bogota. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the Lagos course, as they called it, is, it was, was absolutely fantastic and fantastic. And I mean, it was in great shape, um, you know, really, really tough, tight golf course that you don't really find a whole lot uh, anywhere else. You know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. So. Is that is it difficult for you to to deal with those elevation changes and, and have to adjust like that? Or is that a, is that pretty routine for you guys week in and week out? Well, I mean, obviously, um, you know, in the States, you don't you know, you, we all know where the elevation is, you know, Colorado, Nevada, Utah, those types of places. Um, and usually you don't really see much a whole, you know, a whole lot, but, uh, if you've had ever any experience playing in Colorado or in Denver or something like that, where it's mile high, you have a pretty, pretty good idea of how to, how to play things. But I'd say the biggest, the biggest hurdle is probably the shorter shots, actually understanding, um, you know, exactly how far they go at a certain trajectory and, and, and stuff like that. So you're actually retooling your wedge game uh, in a matter of a, a few days. And, and whoever does that the best is usually the one that wins. Yeah, a lot of the guys at the WGC when it was in Mexico were saying how they're not too worried about the full shots because they know how the ball is going to spin and react. But it's on those three-quarter wedges where you got to kind of flight them you're not sure how long the ball's hanging up in the air for and then how it's going to react on the green subsequently. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's, that is, I mean, we've, we've, we've all, you know, done a little bit of research when we have to go play in elevation and, and all the, all the science and math behind it says that you have to play, you know, less elevation for, for sure. But what if you need to hit it super high in the air or super low and, and so, I mean, it's really, it's really a guess, I guess. I mean, it's at the end of the day. I think that's always one of the things that impresses me so much about the touring pros is, you know, anybody can go out and shoot a good round and have a career round. But the fact that you guys do it and girls do it week in and, and week out in different countries, different states, different courses, different types of grasses, different climatic conditions, just you know, it, it, it blows my mind. Um, so in the, in the early portion of this Corn Ferry Tour season, you mentioned a little bit before, but you had two events in the Bahamas, which we know are just windy as, as all get out. Mm-hmm. It's nuts down there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got Panama, you got Bogota, Colombia, and then we come back once to the States for Florida, and then you're back out again in Mexico. How, on your first year on the KFT, how on this tour have you adapted to this insane travel schedule? <laughs> That's a good question, man. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I've got a great team, um, and and I've got I've got a good support system that 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 is pretty 
that has a pretty in-depth knowledge of travel uh, and how to get around different places. Um, but honestly, dude, I mean, you know, we went from, I'm coming all the way from California. We went all the way to the Bahamas. I caught a flight that was at 1.30 in the morning. Uh, and I got there like midday, uh, you know, later on that day uh, in the Bahamas. So that was that was a pretty big hurdle, um, you know. But uh, from, you know, Bogota to Florida, which you wouldn't think is all that bad. But, but I mean, I caught a flight, I think that was 1 a.m. in the morning uh, for that. And then there were a few guys on that flight as well. So, I mean, there's, <laughs> it's, it's been a trip. It's been crazy. But. But, you know, now that the international circuit is over, um, I'm pretty sure it's going to get a little bit easier. Well, excuse me. I hope that it gets a little easier from here on in. Yeah, I mean, just look at the schedule this year. The the Corn Ferry Tour did a great, well, okay, not a great job, but a much better job this year <laughs> at their at their spacing of tournaments and kind of where they're at. At, at one point last year, I remember talking with with Mike Creed, and everyone on the pod knows him. He's been on a ton. Um, you know, it, my, my man went from like Savannah to Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, then to Tennessee, then like to New York, and then like back out to the Midwest, and then it was like you know back out to somewhere else on the East Coast, and it was just yep. it, it's just nuts. Um, you guys share travel tips out there, or is everyone using PGA Tour, tour travel? How's that work? Amongst everybody. Actually, a great question. I mean, you you would think that you all you would hope that everybody, um, you know, is is is, you know, sharing the knowledge on what works and what doesn't. And and for the most part, I've been fortunate enough to have guys like Mike Creed and and his contacts and and a few of the guys that I've met and known for years that are out there now that are kind of really good sounding boards and, and stuff like that. But I mean, honestly. I mean, they're usually out of out of certain places. There's there's one way to go. I mean, well, well, one or two ways to go. I mean, you can go, you know, like, for example, if you go long in the week, you know, and you're in on Sunday and you're late on Sunday, you don't really foresee flying out Sunday night. So you fly out Monday morning, you know, and stuff like that. Or, or, you know, if you if you miss the cut, then it kind of becomes easier. But um, yeah, travel tips are are definitely uh, in abundance, thankfully, because we we do have a good group of guys out there. And I'd say that, that most guys use PJ Tour travel. I haven't yet, uh, but but once I think, um, and that's just because I kind of like doing things on my own and and not going through a third party, I guess. But gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it, then that way at least you're the one in charge of everything, you know. Correct. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, so let, let's go to a little bit of background, and then kind of make our way back to the tour again. Um, how did you get started in golf? Because so here's something we do on the on the on the pod all the time. The the PGA Tour website. I got I got big issue. I love the PGA Tour. Don't get me wrong. Uh, thanks to everyone that's getting us to the players. You know, I, I appreciate everything they do. But you know, I I nitpick on these things because I feel like it can be done better for the fans out there. And their website is very lacking when it comes to the information on you guys. And so like your personal spot on the PGA Tour website, you know, it's got such uh, amazing anecdotes as didn't start playing golf until 13 years old. Um, your first tee walk-up song would be Hotel California. And then under special interest, it's just completely blank. So we're going to get to that. We'll <laughs> fill that out. We'll fill yeah. that out in a little bit. But so is that true? Is it is 13 years old? Is that when you first started playing? Was that the first time you picked a club up? Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, we all, 
uh, you know, if our, if our parents uh, played at all, um, you know, I mean, we, we always, they experimented really, really young. I have pictures of, of me hitting balls in the backyard. Um, but I draw, I played baseball from about two or three years old all the way till about 12 or 13. Um, and that's pretty much all I did. Uh, there were obviously, I mean, times when golf happened, um, but I didn't, I didn't start playing, uh, really until like I said, 12 or 13. So that was just kind of, it was just kind of the thing. I couldn't play baseball anymore. And so my dad didn't want me sitting around the house anymore. So one summer he said, okay, I'm taking you to the golf course. And that was it. All right. So can you remember the first time you broke a hundred? Oh, you know, man, honestly, I, I can't, but I, I can remember, I can remember that within a year of me playing golf, I was scratch. Um, and then within two years I broke and, and shot 62. I shot 62 okay. in my sophomore, sophomore season, I think it was a little work. All right. So you, obviously you're making a lot of people and a lot of listeners feel bad right now, <laughs> yeah. uh, because, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I apologize. <laughs> so there was, you know, obviously there's some natural penchant there, uh, towards the game, being able to go that low at such a, a young age. Uh, so at what point in time does it kind of hit you that this is something that I could do for a living? This is a way that I could actually make money. Uh, it actually didn't happen until several years later. I, uh, I mean, obviously starting so late, I didn't play, I didn't play many tournaments. Um, you know, I think before my 21st birthday, I'd had maybe 25 tournaments under my belt total. Um, and that includes, that includes, uh, college events. Um, the limited college events that I played. And, and, uh, I think, I think it was actually when I played my first Sony, um, that I really started to get an idea of, of that I could actually do it. And it wasn't, and it wasn't something that, that I woke up one morning and said, Oh yeah, I think I can do it. It was actually, it was actually the words of, of Ken Duke, um, and Audubon Lahiri, who I played a practice, who was fortunate enough to play a practice round with, uh, in 2017 that, that really helped me, helped me through that. Well, Help me make the decision, I should say, to turn pro. Would you be but, willing to share what was said to you or, or oh, maybe for, paraphrase course, it? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I mean, for, yeah, I mean, the best, the best of my uh, memory anyways. I, so, um, obviously I was, I was, you know, a, a, not even 21 yet. Um, and to these, to me, these guys are giants. And, and so every, every word that they said, I, I tried to sponge up as much as I could. Um, but one of the best things I've heard uh, from anybody was is uh, Ken uh, pulled me aside because I was talking about possibly trying to turn pro, uh, and he goes, uh, I think he said, uh, "Son, I, if you step up to every shot the way you stepped up on the first tee during this practice round, you will make it." And you know that that was kind of the that was kind of the, the spark, if you will. But uh, yeah. I'd, I'd say that was about right. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome. I wonder if guys like that, you know, that have been out there for so long and are kind of, you know, I mean, those those two names that you mentioned to to golfing nerds and people on the inside, everyone knows who they are, kind of pillars of the actual tour pro community. Maybe not the superstars that you see on TV every week, but guys that are highly respected out there. I wonder if mm -hmm. those guys understand um, how heavy, how much weight their words carry to the younger golfers. 
Um, you know, uh, that's a great question, man. I mean, that's that's something that I wonder all the time. I it's been a long time since I've seen uh, or talked to either one of them. Uh, obviously, you know, Honorbon's all over the place, and and Ken's Ken's getting thing, his thing going as well. Um, but I would I would I would hope that they I, I would hope that they do uh, because they they were in the same position that I was in. I'm sure uh, where they ran into their their idols or, or people that they respected highly. And, and, um, you know, for him to say something like that and for Audubon to take me aside a few times as well, um, you know, I'm forever grateful and, and they're, they didn't need to. And so I would, I would assume that they know exactly what, exactly the weight that they have because they wouldn't say it otherwise. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, that, that says a lot for their character, obviously. Um, I want to touch on one other thing you mentioned there, which is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart, I've got two boys, a 13 and a 10 year old, um, you know, and, and watching them go through youth sports. One of the things I see, which I can't stand and just because of what I do for a living and my involvement with sports is that specialization at such a young age. So it's so awesome to hear. And I know we do have a lot of young listeners to this podcast as well. A lot of junior golfers. It's so awesome to hear that you didn't need to have lessons when you were four years old. You didn't need to be playing these tournaments when you were six years old to get to the spot that you're at. And that's just so refreshing in this day and age where it's like, okay, my kid has to go through this PGA tour esque <laughs> type factory, yeah. you know, to yeah. get out there and everyone's yep. swing needs to look the same. No, dude, I, I, uh, I completely hear what you're saying. You know, we, we, when I say we, I mean, you know, the kids that, that were brought up in, in Hawaii's, uh, golf arena, um, you know, have, have, a few of us have, have had that kind of uh, experience and a few of us have, have made it out. Um, but for the most part, there are a lot of good, young, talented players and great kids for, the, for, for you know, lack of a better term, um, that, that, you know, just end up kind of getting burnt out. Uh, and, it, and it's nobody's fault. You know, I mean, things happen for a reason. But, uh, you know, you hate to see a kid on the driving range at 13, 14, 15 years old, getting, getting pulled aside by his father or mother or coach or what have you and, and getting, and getting, you know, strung up because, you know, they hit a bad shot or, or something like that. And so any, any kid that I've ever come across, you know, nowadays, uh, anyways, I, I let them know that, that they don't have to do this and they, and, and they, they shouldn't feel like they have to, this is not a job. They should have fun if they want to work hard, work hard, but know that I'm the one that's doing this because I have to make a paycheck, not because somebody's pulling me aside every minute and, and yelling at me. Is that a pretty cool position to be in now to kind of be on that side of the ropes and be able to impart some wisdom and, and kind of have those younger kids look up to you as a tour player now? Well, I can't. I can't imagine too too many kids are looking up to me, but but uh, I, I'd say that I'd say that the position and the responsibility that I, as a professional golfer that I have um, that I try to try to act on is 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 that we have to impart as much knowledge uh, that we have because none of our not none of the knowledge was you know originated in our minds. It was given to us by the people that we come across. So. Uh, you know, you pay it forward. I mean, that's kind of the whole, it's kind of the whole idea, right? 
Yeah, and that's and that's I mean so in line with the uh, the ethos of golf. You know, mm-hmm. I mean it's just count your own score. You play, f- you know, honest. You play fast. You go out and have fun, and and uh, I mean that's really it. That's why I think so many people are in love with the game. Uh, to backtrack a little bit upon my comment before where I said you don't have to you know go through a PGA tour uh, university factory to have the same swing you've got uh you've got some quirks in your swing <laughs> which I mean obviously like you know my my friends will always say that I could swing under a table my swing is so flat right so mm-hmm. I'm somebody that when I see a swing that's different you know like a Matt wolf or you know, like the the way your front foot slides and let those hips, you know, flow through is just like I'm in love with that. Where did that move come from? Because obviously, dude, it's translating some distance. You lead the Corn Ferry Tour in driving distance. I, I think it's up to 329.5 yards right now. Uh, you know, that's a great question, man. Um, honestly, the the whole idea that that when you grow up short and skinny. Um, you got to get that ball out there some way. And, and I had to throw every ounce of weight into it that I had. Um, so I've kind of always had that front foot's kind of slide out of the way. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, when it comes to the big stick and, and some of the longer swings and some of the harder swings, uh, it's a lot more exaggerated. Um, but, but the idea was always that, that I watch some of the longer hitters, you know, Rory, um, JT, you know, Dustin tiger, you know, all these guys that just absolutely pound it, um, their hips clear and they clear fast and, you know, their, their lower bodies are, are big and strong and, and that's kind of the whole idea. So, I mean, ever, you know, I've, I've got a great coach here, at, uh, in California, his name's Tony Greco. And, and we've, we've worked hard on, on isolating exactly what we need to isolate with the, with the takeaway and the downswing in order to quiet those, to quiet those feet as much as possible. But, uh, that's always a work in progress. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like the epitome of, of swing your swing, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, Arnie's, you know, now that Arnie's tournament is going on again, I mean, that's, that's a perfect way to perfect way to put that. I I, I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. And just to give people some context out there, so on the PGA Tour, which is this is like this is the, these are like BS leaders like Jazz Janawanatan, he leads at 326.4 yards, but that's only eight total drives. You know, you really have to go down to like Rory at 322, and then Bryson, you know, uh, Hulk Bryson at 322 <laughs> as well to get guys that have actually been playing out there and have more than just a handful of drives. Mm-hmm. And and you, your average is is, is above all them. You know, and the thing is, like, it's always historically been um, the top 10 guys, you know, as the season progresses. And let's say at the end, after we get our top 25 and everything at the end of the Corn Ferry Tour season, top 10 guys in the Corn Ferry Tour are always longer than the the top 10 guys on the PGA Tour. Um, it's kind of a necessity out there, isn't it, for the for, to go as low as you guys have to go week in and week out? Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at some of these guys that 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 are out there, you know, Taylor Pendrith, Curtis Thompson, you know, these 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 giant, you know, big hard swinging guys um, that that just absolutely put a hurting on the ball. Um, you know, I mean, they're they're there constantly. Their names are constantly up there. Um, you know, and and yeah, I I, I don't, would 100% agree. Um, 
you know, distance is a bit of a necessity, but at the same time, uh, the PGA Tours courses are, are significantly tighter. Um, you know, the fairways run a lot more. Um, so, you know, accuracy is, is at a premium. Um, maybe not as much on the Corn Ferry Tour because at the end of the day, you want to go low and you got to be aggressive, right? So, Yeah, and, and you had mentioned, like, Taylor Pendrith and stuff. I mean, you know, an enormous dude. He's like six two, two hundred pounds. Uh, yeah. So what what do you what are you weighing in nowadays? Uh, we're 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 holding steady at one sixty five, standing at five ten. Okay. So so your your stats on the PJ Tour website are are actually legit then. Oh yeah, yeah, they're legit. Okay, yeah. because I know for a fact there are some guys that we've had on and some guys that i've spoken to and they're like oh dude i just throw numbers down like i can't even believe they they published them <laughs> well so, i i can't imagine i can't imagine that uh you know if i were to throw down 185 that that anybody would believe that <laughs> um bryson had a little a little issue that they wouldn't update his weight when he you know supposedly gained his 20 pounds in mm-hmm. in three and a half weeks <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, that Bryson's impressive. He's he's a great guy and and uh the fact that he the fact that he's focused on what he's doing and, and working hard towards it is, is gonna pay dividends for sure. Yeah, and he and the dude does things his own way and I mean mm-hmm. uh you know, there's there's been a few of those guys out there, Bubba uh like that, Bryson like that. Yep. Um, you know, that, that kind of come to mind and aren't like those those factory type guys. Um, so going on off of that distance, obviously the distance is, is enormous and that's eye popping. Everyone sees those numbers and the ball travels too far and whatever. But I think what's super impressive is that that you've been able to pair up that enormous distance with the accuracy. You're hitting 85% of your fairways on the year. I mean, this is, this is literally a game that translates to the PGA tour. Um, have you looked at tournaments in the future on the corn ferry tour and said, you know what, this course sets up for me, that course sets up for me. How far in advance are you prepping or scouting locations? You know, man, honestly, I am, I am solely placed in, uh, the, the present right now. Um, you know, I know that, that, you know, the Lafayette course is, is, um, you know, some sort of, you know, overseeded. I know what the grass is going to be, that, but that other than that, man, I, I, the way I look at it, um, any course, um, anywhere, uh, should set up for somebody that hits it long and hits it straight. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's that's the plain and simple truth. Um, so I, I can't, I can't, I will not sit here and tell you that that I'm looking at you know TPC Colorado or or. Um, you know, which hollow there at the end of the year and, and saying, well, maybe if I, you know, tweak my game a certain way, I can, I can make it fit this hole or that hole or this tee shot or that tee shot. Cause honestly, um, there's a lot, a lot to go, uh, that goes into the next event. Um, before I have to look that far ahead. Well, I mean, I think, I think, you know, for a guy in your position that, that makes perfect sense. You know, I mean, you got to dance with, with who you brought. You know, and if your game is 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 what it is, obviously, then then you just ride it, you know, to each and every tournament. Um, one other thing on on stats, I'm looking at the the PGA Tour website right now. 
and your sand save percentage is zero. It said you've only been in one bunker all year. Is that true? No, no. So, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit of behind the scenes that I can give you actually about those stats is, is and actually a reason why I don't really, I don't really um, love the way they keep just track of the stats. But they've actually only measured one event, um, and that was at, that was at LeeCom. Um, and so I can tell you that, that from my own personal stats, I'm probably at about 75 to 80% out of the bunkers. Um, but you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of all depends. So that's kind of, so that's, that's, yeah. I mean, no, I, people love hearing that type of stuff. I mean, I love it because, you know, I know on the PGA tour, there's usually two, sometimes three holes a week that are measured for driving distance, you know, and sometimes the numbers are skewed because you might have a guy that's super long that can't hit driver on that hole. So he pulls three wood or he pulls hybrid for positioning or something. Then you've got this shorter hitter, you know, like a Luke Donald or Zach Johnson or Zach Blair type dude who pipes it out one week. It, you know, hits the downslope and 295, it rolls out and all of a sudden their numbers are, are skewed. So that's interesting. So I didn't know the corn ferry tour only did it for one event so far so this far, year. And I'm yeah. assuming, yeah, I'm assuming that's because it was in the States and I know that's they don't exactly travel right. with all the equipment, right? Yep. That's exactly right. Okay. Well, that makes, I mean, that makes perfect sense. You know, they don't have the, the monetary input that the PGA tour does. So, you know, that's cool. No, they do not. That's exactly Yes. Right. Uh, no, I've, I've, I've been out there to many a tournament. I understand. <laughs> yeah. It's all good, man. Um, Hey, let's let's update your PGA Tour thing then. Uh, special interests is completely blank. I mean, you sound like a pretty pretty cool dude. You know, Mike tells me all the time he's like, "Oh, Brent is so chill. He's so laid back. Uh, an awesome guy to hang out around." But you know, this makes you seem like you're a complete zero. Like there's nothing going on. What are you doing? What are you doing outside of golf? Uh, Steve, I you know obviously. Um... You know, uh, I'd love to sit here and tell you that, that I go surfing or hiking all the time. And, and I've got this incredibly uh, exciting life outside of golf. But, uh, you know, um, what I really what I really love to do, I mean, I, I really love to listen to music. I love obviously working out and stuff like that. Um, you know, I love to drink good wine and, and have good company and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, my. My one and only passion, I think, uh, that I can no longer do would be to, to be to step on the diamond and, and uh, go field some field some dingers from some guys. But uh, other than that, uh, that, that's about it. So I'm not I'm obviously not going to give away your um, handle that we're using to record right now, but it happens to relate to a baseball team, I'm assuming. That's correct. Yep. OK, so, uh, you know, being from California, I'm assuming that's. That's your team. You ever think about going to one of those, um, you know, like one of those all-star camps that they have, like those adult camps? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, man, I actually, um, you know, now that I live here, uh, you know, it's, it, I've been able to go to one Dodger game. I've been, and that's it. And, uh, you know, that was probably uh, one of the best experiences of my life. Shout out to uh, my buddy, Josh, who, who got that done? But uh, yeah, I know. I mean, if I were to, if I were to toss toss a good solid heater that I got, whatever I got left in the tank, it would probably pop my elbow out of its socket. So <laughs> I don't think I could do that anymore. As much as I'd love to, trust me. Um. So I'm an enormous baseball fan. We're St. Louis Cardinals fans. 
Um, you know, so I can respect the Dodger organization and kind of everything they've done in the National League. Uh, I was switching gears real quick. Give me your take uh, on the Astros. If you're in charge of Major League Baseball, if you're Manfred, wh- what are you doing to them? What what justice are you doling out to them? You know, honestly, man, it's uh, it's 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 it's. Uh... Um, it's, it's a tough situation. Obviously, you know, my, my bias is that, is that, you know, the Dodgers should have won and and we should have won three straight world series and all that stuff and, and yada, yada. But, uh, if I were in charge of baseball, um, you know, I know they lost some draft picks, uh, which is always major. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's tough to punish a team uh, for, for something that they did three years prior. Um, but you know, I suppose, um, you know, costing them draft picks and finding them and all that stuff is probably the best you could do. I mean, now the other side of that would be that I would take away their trophy, but you know, I mean, I can't exactly do that and give it to the Dodgers because they didn't actually win. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Vegas had set, I, I, have been telling everybody this stat, but you can actually bet on how many times an Astros batter is going to get hit by a ball this year. (laughs) Vegas set that number at 82. And Mm. I just, I think it's like astronomically high. If you were a gambling man and had to put a hundred bucks down, would you go over or under 82 Astros being hit by balls this year? You know, I've got a good buddy of mine that, that, is actually a pitcher for the Reds right now. And, uh, and then another buddy of mine who plays for the, who actually plays for the Cardinals, um, is, is a part of their, their, uh, farm league. But, uh, he said that, uh, they hit them at least three times in one game. Uh, I um, know. Okay. So first off, so, I know for a fact, because we get living in Pennsylvania, obviously we don't get any Cardinals game unless it's on ESPN. So we have the MLB package where we get every Cardinals game. And, you know, like I'm a diehard, like I watch yeah. the spring training games and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that you are not yeah. lying. <laughs> so, I mean, the, 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 the betting man would say that, that it will slowly peter off as the year goes on. Uh, because once you kind of get your licks in, you get your licks in and it's over. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, 82 games cause there's a hundred and hundred and isn't it like 182 games, I think. Uh, like 162. Yeah. So they're saying almost one, every two game, one at oh, every two Lord. games, they're going to get hit. You know, I, I mean, but that, does that include like the incidental ones? I mean, see, it's kind of like a gray area. Cause I mean, I can't, I can't say that, that, um, you know, a major league pitcher is going to, especially because they've been warned that if they do it on purpose, that they're, they're going to get uh, tossed or fined or whatever it was. So, um, you know, I, I would take the under, I would, I would say that, uh, you know, they'll get it, they'll get it in, they'll get the licks in very early, you know, probably get a solid 20, 25 in early. And then, you know, it'll slowly peter off. And I, 82 is a lot, man. That's, that's, that's a whole hell of a lot. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Like that's that's where my mind goes to. It's like, okay, if they get hit 20 times in the first two weeks, like obviously the league steps in and is like, hey, listen, do it again, and you know it's it's three game suspension or something like that, or three start suspension per yeah. per pitcher. Um, so exactly. I think it dies off. But 
Yeah, I, I could see going like up to the All Star break. You know, maybe they they get popped 40, 50 times, something like that, and then and then it dies down. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, that's that logic would 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 say that, but you know, you just never know. Um. So you mentioned music. What what uh you listening to music when you're on the range? When you're playing just kind of regular relaxed rounds of golf, you listening to music out there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, when I'm on the range, I try to, I try to, you know, zone out as much as possible. But if we're, you know, if I'm hanging with my buddies on the range, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pull a, uh, you know, that kind of guy. You know, I'm not gonna be that guy uh, that kind of zones out because he has to focus on every shot. But uh, I'd say, yeah, we listen to a fair amount of music when we're on the course. I mean, this morning, um, I was actually my buddy Tony, who's my coach. He, he had. Uh, kind of EDM going on all morning and that was quite interesting. Um, but sometimes it's country, sometimes it's hip hop, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's, it's uh, pretty commonplace to see a whole lot of different stuff here at Bear Creek. Is there anything when you're getting ready for a tour event, you, you have headphones in and yeah. to kind of zone out and not to be bothered? Yeah. I mean, there, you know, I, uh, I try to be, I try to be as, 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 uh, as zoned out as possible. Um, I think that, uh, that I've always been that way. Um, you know, I mean, I can't, it, you know, specific things that I've listened to, it, it ranges all the way from, from certain, um, you know, motivational, uh, speaker type things to Eminem to tool to, uh, you know, other kind of, other kind of alternative music. And, and, uh, yeah, it's usually, it's usually not what you would think that you would listen to if you want to relax. I'll put it that way. Well, I mean, it's it's like, you know, every person has their own way of kind of vibing and getting in their zone, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, that I I, I, I like the uh, I do like the, the tool reference there. That's uh, a little bit of grunge. Yeah. For, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they've they've transformed their sound. I mean, just, you know, astronomically over the last. Jeez, oh yeah, third last album has been years. Yeah, so so what did you think about that uh, Fear Inoculum? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, the guy, the man himself, and I, can't, I always lose the guy's name. Um, Maynard but, James Keenan. Yeah, that's right, Maynard James. That's right. And uh, so he is, he is incredibly talented. Uh, bands like Pussifer and and Perfect Circle and and all that stuff and. And so he's, he's, he's very talented, but as far as tools concerned, I mean, uh, fear inoculum isn't my most favorite album. Uh, but there are definitely a few songs on there that I really like. Invincible is a great song. Obviously the, the fear inoculum single is fantastic. Uh, Numa is a great one. Um, but I don't think you can top, uh, 10,000 days. I, I really don't. I'm I, well, yeah, I guess like, to me, Tool, we'll see, and you're younger too. So that's the thing. Like when Undertow came out, I was like a sophomore in high school, you know? <laughs> so that, that impressionable age, and I was like, this, this is the thing ever. <laughs> yeah, like this is, this is crazy. Like this is nuts, you know? And, and, yeah. uh, you know, I'm a, like, I'm a big Trent Reznor fan as well and everything that he does. So it was almost like him, but so different from what he was doing with Nine Inch Nails mm-hmm. um, that, you know, like the, like the tool baselines are just insane. You oh, know, <laughs> I, you just can't, I mean, it's like, it's like flea with the red hot chili peppers. You just can't, you can't have, 
you know, any good song without, without that solid bass. I mean, it just really, it, you really can't. It's incredible. That's, yeah. It's beyond true. Um, now I see your first T walk-up song would be hotel California. Is that something mm-hmm. that still like, okay, you, you make it into the Zurich, um, you get a partner of your choosing next year on the PGA tour. Is that what song you're walking out to? Um, you know, if, if I didn't have to, uh, worry about cuss words and stuff like that, uh, probably not. It'd probably be, um, like lose yourself or something like that from Eminem. Um, just because you can kind of get that swagger flowing, but, uh, hotel California is actually my favorite song of all time. Um, it's funny cause I think it's, I think it's Bellinger that has the same, uh, walk up song as I do, which, which I didn't discover until obviously last year. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it would definitely, it, it would, yeah, I mean, it's just something that you can just groove to, and it's got the greatest guitar solo of all time, and, you know, it's it's a great song. Yeah, it's a pretty damn good guitar solo. <laughs> yeah. But I, I like I like the idea of having some, some type of hype music or something, you know, to maybe add an extra five, ten yards and get the adrenaline yeah. flow on the first tee. Yeah, for sure, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I always, I always tell people that, that, you know, I, I love it when the guys are standing on 16 at uh, Scottsdale or, or the Ryder Cup or President's Cup, and and uh, you know the first tee's there, and, and they're and they're hyping up the crowds because, I mean, if if you can't be uh, in the moment and have fun in the moment, then then what's the point of being out there? You know. Yeah, no, that's that's so true, and and the guys say it all the time. You know, and, and the girls at the uh, the Solheim Cup when when there's a ton of noise you know, it's irrelevant because it all becomes white noise. Just like when there's all, you know, when there's silence, obviously if, if everything's quiet, it's fine. If everything's loud, it's fine. Uh, when you're out there, do you notice stuff that's going on outside the ropes at all? Or are you kind of just a hundred percent focused or are you only focused like during the shots? How's that work for you? You know, I, uh, I've got, you know, um, I've got two ways of two ways that I've run into, uh, two things that I've run into actually. Um, one of them is, is noticing everything um, and being able to take everything and then let it flow away. And the other thing is is already being in the flow state and already just kind of blocking everything out. And then somebody goes, did you see that? And I go, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, because <laughs> generally in my, in my personal life and, and when I'm off the golf course, I hear and see everything. Um, and it's just it, it, it's an annoyance because I have, to, I have to tune out the person that's sitting too two seats down from me or, 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 or something like that. Uh, which is usually why I have headphones on anyways, but, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of interesting, but I have honestly, I haven't been in a situation, uh, with really, really big crowds yet. Um, I mean, the biggest, biggest ones we have was, was Camilo, uh, in Bogota. And that was, I mean, everybody was just following him and I kind of knew what to expect. Um, you know, that they weren't going to be paying attention to us. So I just kind of had to not pay attention to them. Yeah, you know, on the Corn Ferry Tour, obviously, especially if you get an early tea time or a late tea time in the day and you're finishing up, you know, there might be two or three fans walking um, along the side. And it's funny because I'm kind of like you in the real world, too, because I'm a teacher. So I do see and hear literally everything. <laughs> and I always thought, like, if I'm out on the course and I was playing and I was a, a tour pro and I saw like two people walking. I feel, I feel like that those are the only two people I'd be focused on, you know, like, well, what are they doing out there? Like, what's that dude drinking over there? Like what's, you know, what are they talking about right now? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, but see, that's kind of the thing, right? So you have this conversation with yourself, you know, with your inner self and you're like, well, okay, so do I, do I pay attention to what that person is doing? Do I try to attempt to stop him before he walks it, you know, on the other side of my line or, or and all that stuff? And, and the whole idea is that, is that, I mean, we are lucky because we have caddies and I can kind of tell my caddy, Dave, Hey Dave, can you, can you hold them up right there? Because obviously the moment that I'm getting ready to, to hit the shot, I can, I'm focused enough to where I can, I can see things moving. So I just, you know, try to preempt that. But, uh, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you can't hit shots with people moving, then you're not going to last long in this business. Cause you, if you play with somebody like Jordan Spieth or Roy McIlroy or something like that, there are people moving constantly. And that's yeah. just kind of what you have to deal with. Yeah, no, for sure. When you get to those big tour events, I mean, I don't care how good your caddy is, how good the marshals are. You just, you can't keep that many people still <laughs> and that many people silent. It's just impossible. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. hundred percent. Hey, so, um, before we start recording, I just, I wanted you to tell this story because, um, some of the other guys that work on the pod and stuff and some of my buddies, I you know I explained to them cause we're actually going to the USGA four ball, uh, this year it's actually at the Philadelphia cricket club and we have a oh, nice. nice, yeah, it's, it's close to us. Uh, we got an awesome relationship <laughs> with USGA. They've been phenomenal t- to us. So every pod, I like to say thank you to them. Um, yeah, but you have a pretty interesting story. I'm not sure it's actually even been done since or before you. Um, kind of t- tell us your USGA four ball story. Um, well, so I was, uh, I think this was, I think it was in 2014. Um, I was getting ready to, I don't even remember if I had just graduated high school or getting ready to. Either way, I was uh, signed up for the, 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 inaugural uh four ball qualifier there in, in on oahu which was at uh honolulu country club uh which happened to be the same uh same course that my high school practiced at i mean my high school is literally five minutes down the road um and so i'd known the course and the night before i was working um and i my partner calls me and says hey I got called in for surgery the next morning. He's a, uh, he's a perfusionist there at triple hospital, triple army hospital. And, uh, so, you know, he didn't have a choice, right? I mean, if he doesn't go, you know, people die, right? So kind of, that's kind of the whole idea. And so I said, okay, fine. I, I, you know, it was late in the day, so I couldn't really find anybody to text my buddy, Justin. Um, and he goes, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll be your partner for the, for the qualifier. Cause I didn't find any issue with it. I was like, well, you know, why not? Just like an easy swap, right? Well, I get there, he's, he's, he comes down with me and, and, you know, we get dropped off and, and my buddy Paul, who's running the, who's, who ran the uh, HSGA at the time. Uh, and he goes, uh, yeah, so you actually have to play on your own because you can't swap your partner. I said, oh, well, okay. So I went out, I uh, shot 63. I won by one and qualified for the inaugural USGA four ball on my own. That was kind of, that was kind of an interesting way to do that actually. So again, I mean, I know you had said like, Hey, it's, it's no big deal. I just shot a 63, but <laughs> you know, like, you know, it, it, <laughs> to me as, as like an average golfer, I'd say maybe even a, a, a decent, I don't even want to say good, but a decent average golfer, I hear that. And I'm like, okay, I'm not even sure if my buddy and I 
could put together a 63 like having career days. And there was there was only one spot, right? From yeah. that qualifier? Yeah. So you are yeah. in that one spot. All these other people are in groups of two thinking maybe they have a chance. And here comes, you know, this teenage kid waltzing in and goes on his <laughs> own ball and shoots yeah. 63. I mean, that's pretty impressive, dude. I appreciate it. I mean, there was there was uh there's some guys that that uh, that I know that I had known for years at the time and and uh, still keep in touch with that uh, that were there for that and uh, it was it was an interesting experience. It was the first time that I had, had made any sort of headline or anything like that, and so my eyes were kind of bright, wide and bright at the you know for for a good solid week or so. But after that, it was kind of like eh, I guess that that's just got to be business as usual, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, kind of, kind of act like you've been there before. But I mean, that's one of those stories that goes down in like golf folklore, you know, of like, you know, when, well, Tiger was, you know, four years old and won a tournament with 12 year olds in it by eight strokes. And they're like, hey, yeah. remember when, when Brant qualified, Brent qualified for, by himself on his home ball for the USGA four ball. It's yeah, one of those type of stories. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be cool. It, it, it'd be cool, kind of cool looking back on that here in 10, 15, 20 years and and maybe maybe the uh, maybe somebody will, will break it. Hope somebody will break it because because that's that that'd be a pretty cool experience for them. So now just to kind of finish up that story, when you guys actually did qualify, where was the four ball championship that year? So it was actually funny. We actually didn't end up going. Uh, it was at Olympic, and uh, we were we were. My my schedule at the time was focused on actually playing in the USAM, which was was you know coming up very shortly, and so we had a we had a pretty long summer of travel and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, qualifying for a four ball event, as cool as it was, we made the decision as a team that that we wouldn't end up going. So we ended up passing passing that honor to uh, to two of actually two of my my buddies who I played high school golf with. But. That's pretty cool. They got they got to kind of uh, carry on the Hawaiian legacy uh, out oh, yeah. at Olympic Club. Yeah, and two great two great guys to do it, Kyle Supa and uh, Kiyosuke Hara, and they made it to match play, and and uh, they represented the state really well. And I couldn't have could have asked for two two better players to do it for sure. Very cool. Um, last thing I want to kind of talk about uh, one of the ways that I actually got introduced to you. Uh, was through your Instagram, and obviously, you know, my buddy Mike Caddy's out on the Corn Ferry Tour. You know him, and and he was just kind of mentioning like, hey, there's this young kid bombs the ball, but he's also really into working out and stuff. And so I teach advanced strength and conditioning. Uh, my buddy Dan as well. We call him Other Dan, who's on the pod. He owns his own gym. Um, he's next fizz guy. So that's something that's kind of near and dear to our heart. Um, but a lot of people just don't associate golfers with working out or golfers as athletes. Um, so what I want to kind of know about is your plan for the year. How do you modify it during tournaments? How do you keep up with your workout schedule during that hectic travel season? Well, man, honestly, uh, you know, um, first off, obviously the, the, the idea that, that, um, it's, uh, it, it doesn't translate anymore is, is I think hopefully slowly, but surely going away. Um, because, you know, if you look at, if you look at the builds of, of the last, you know, hundred guys that have come out of the corn Ferry tour, most of them are, 
are in pretty darn good shape and, and, uh, pretty solid guys. And, and, and so it's pretty clear that fitness is definitely taking over. You know, you always hear the stories of Tiger and VJ being the only ones in the gym. Um, and that wasn't, you know, that's not false. That's actually how it was. And, and, um, you know, now everybody's in the gym. Um, but, uh, for me personally, you know, uh, Kevin Duanis over here at dynamic fitness, uh, who trains, uh, Taylor Moore and Kevin Doherty, uh, on the corn Ferry tour and, 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 uh, was a part of Ricky's Ricky's training growing up and, and trains his caddy Joe, um, as well. Uh, you know, he's been, he's been great. Um, and it's been pretty, it's been pretty easy to, to, to keep track of things. Um, but, but the most difficult part I'd say is, is actually going and doing it, uh, you know, after a long day or, or, you know, and, or, or, you know, when you, when you come in Monday night, do you really want to wake up Tuesday morning and go work out? Um, you know, especially when you're talking about, uh, energy being the most important thing, um, you know, because, you know, when I'm assuming that when, when people like us work out, we kind of can't do it half-assed. We have to go, we have to go full into it. We have to get, we have to get the pump going. And, and, and which means usually that we're pretty sore, uh, the next couple of days. And, and so I tend, I tend to keep it pretty, pretty light and, and, and just kind of get it, get in a good little, little lift here and there and, and trying to keep, try to keep things even. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as the plan for the rest of the year is concerned, um, I'm sure I'm on the same boat as everybody else. I'm just going to try to maintain or, or pick up a little bit of weight here and there if I can and, and see if we can turn it into muscle at the end of the year. Now in the off season, are you opposed to going heavier and, and, uh, you know, kind of actually pushing the limits a little bit? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, in my limited knowledge of, of, uh, you know, physical fitness and, and how to train, um, you know, uh, that's, that's pretty much how to do it. I mean, if you can afford to be sore, be sore. Otherwise, you know, don't, <laughs> I guess is the best way I could put it. Is it, um, is it easy to find gyms in the area when you are traveling or do you kind of bring a collection of bands and things along those lines to just kind of get a quick workout in, you know, range of motion pump during, uh, the tournament days, right in the, right in the hotel room. You know, honestly, man, I, the, the, the things that I try to do the most, you know, on my own, as far as with my own gear, uh, really don't really don't, aren't even consider workouts. Um, you know, but we've we've been fortunate enough to to find hotels that have gyms, um, you know that they're they're really we've been, that's I mean that's the best way to put it. We've just been fortunate enough to find gyms uh, in the hotels. Otherwise, um, you're kind of stuck doing body weight stuff, which I'm not opposed to. But but uh, staying flexible and limber is probably the most important thing. I'd, I'd say. Um, any injuries that you've had? over the years, uh, through golf at all? Uh, when I was, when I was a sophomore, I think sophomore summer or something like that, I, uh, you know, I had a pretty, pretty major lower back issue. Um, you know, it was just from the swing that I was doing. I was copying, uh, Tiger Woods and, and the, the old squat and spring and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just kind of, I kind of threw out the back a little bit and, but, uh, you know, nowadays, like I said, my, my boy, Kevin keeps me, keeps me pretty limber and has shown me a lot of ways to, to stay healthy. And, and, uh, you know, other than a little bit of tendonitis or sore wrists or something like that, you know, nothing, 
nothing major. I've been blessed to not have anything major, I should say. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, and then that kind of comes with the territory with the amount of balls that you're hitting each and every week. For sure. For sure. That's exactly uh, right. Um, so real quick, let people know where they can find you, how they can follow your journey this year on the Corn Ferry Tour into progressing to the to the PGA Tour, hopefully next year. Well, I mean, obviously, you can always track on the uh, the PGA Tour app uh, each and every each and every week. Um, you know, if you want to go ahead and slide over on Instagram, Brent Grant 14, uh, is the, is the handle there. Um, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. You're not going to see any sort of, uh, super duper personal things on the Instagram or, or super duper controversial. It's just me kind of, kind of doing my thing and, and, uh, golf is golf is the business golf is life. So, uh, at this point, um, just keep, just keep following along. I'm, I'm going to keep knocking on the door and, and uh, hopefully you'll see me walk through here a few times. Yeah, that'd be absolutely fantastic. And, and people will put all the information in the liner notes to this episode, um, you know, which will be up in a, in a day or two when people are listening to this. It'll probably be Sunday or, or Monday of Players Week. And then, uh, uh, you know, myself and Derek are off to the players to do media down there. Brent, we can uh, not thank you enough, dude. It has been an absolute blast. No, no, man, I, Dan. It's 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 been really cool for me. I obviously uh, coming from Oahu is it's there's not a whole lot of experience that I have with this stuff. So I appreciate your patience. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's been really cool. No, for sure, man, for sure. All right, people, either get busy golfing or get busy dying. <laughs> Amen.